Welcome to Coffee with Karan. Okay, just kidding. Get ready for a wild ride on newcomers to Trailblazers. Our guest, the unstoppable Karan Johar, hails from the exotic lands of Jammu and Kashmir and with a childhood spent navigating the twists and turns of northern part of India. Karan knows a thing or two about adventure, but her life took an unexpected turn when she landed in Canada. Her 12 years of suffering from a stereotyped medical condition made her feel alone in her journey. Often misdiagnosed, but there came a friend who stumbled upon an article that gave her hope. Karan realized she wasn't alone in this journey. She channeled her inner superhero and started a non-profit organization to save the day. Now she is here to spill the beans on her mind-blowing transformation and culture shock. But hey, let's not forget to ask Karan if she's ever been teased about her name. Trust us, you won't want to miss her hilarious response. Get ready to laugh your socks off with this one of a kind guest. Welcome Karan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much Manisha. So, how are you? I'm good. I am good. I'm looking forward to some time off. Mhm. Um it's the year end. Mhm. So, I am filled with gratitude. Mm-hmm. I'm looking back to what a great year 2023 was. Even though it wasn't very great for a lot of people as we know. It's not going well for a lot of us in the world. I am just sitting in my own privilege mm-hmm. and acknowledging it, but being very grateful for how the universe has been so kind to me. Mm-hmm. So it's a good end to a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. I asked you a question which you strategically avoided. Let me start there. So Karan Johar, <laughs> tell me. Do you really get that often? Well, like when you were growing up in India, did you get that often? Hi Karan, here is your coffee or <laughs> coffee with Karan season 1 or anything at all. Let's start from there. Um, I think I've get, uh, gotten a lot of attention because of the Karan Johar. Mm-hmm. Or I would say he has gotten a lot of attention because of me. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But yes, I mean I've had those silly lame So is the coffee Karan mm-hmm. or is Karan Johar really your relative and I remember like when I was a kid I mean lying through the roof and be like yeah of course <laughs> <cousin."> <laughs> well that's a long lost cousin though <laughs> I haven't seen him like since he was born <laughs> um but yes I've been asked I've been told uh when I, are you really Karan Johar and I'm like Do I look like Karan Johar? But yeah, all people of Bollywood mm-hmm. have uh, tried to crack that on me. Okay. <laughs> so people who are listening to this and do not understand what is going on right now, let me give you some insights. So Karan Johar is an Indian, I would say, North Indian, Bollywood-based uh, director, scriptwriter, screenplay person and he also has a show which is called Coffee with Karan and he's amazing at what he does. So, you know where the relevance comes from. Mm-hmm. Now let's channel our real those that Karan Johar relevance <laughs> into our Karan's podcast show. <laughs> Who were you back in India? Who was I back in India? Uh, I was born in India, as you mentioned. I am from Jammu and Kashmir, 
Um, my father is a businessman. He's moved around the country um, because of business. And I've like kind of lived in this love triangle mm-hmm. of Jammu, Kashmir, Haryana, and then moved to Chandigarh for a few years for my studies. Um, so I, I grew up, I grew up in India, I was um, studying in India. Um, I did some parts of my higher education in India and then I moved, I transferred to Canada for continuing my education. Mm-hmm. Did you always n- know that you wanted to move to Canada? I actually never thought mm-hmm. I would. I was that person who was like, I need to get that 98% scored uh-huh. so I can go to Delhi University uh-huh. every single commerce student uh-huh. in North India uh-huh. is told if you go to Delhi uh-huh. University that's uh-huh. the only time you'd be like acknowledged for your existence other than that who are you like <laughs> why did you even pull up those forms for getting a commerce degree right and then it's like okay BU, IIM, like all that, you know, Shazam of like being a commerce student in your life as a BBA or BCom as we used to say back home, uh, you need to get that. So I was like head down studying, mm-hmm. no, no dreams of mm-hmm. going outside the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I would when I'm, I'd pursue my high education, like I had Howard posters in my room. I was like, uh-huh. I'm going to be Let's like- talk about manifestation. <laughs> So I was like, I'm going to be there, but I need to like, you know, crack the code here, you know, learn more and everything. Um, never once in my life I thought, and actually nobody from my house that I was aware about from my family that went abroad, mm-hmm. but it wasn't ever in my mind. And when I got that score that I wanted and I got the college I wanted to be in, the university I wanted to be in, my mom mm-hmm. pulled the perfect emotional tactic on me mm-hmm. the night before mm-hmm. we were supposed to go pay the fees mm-hmm. if you have to go that far mm-hmm. why don't you go far away mm-hmm. so that you know i feel like my daughter cannot come meet me because she's like 16 or 20 hours away from home not like because she has to change four buses or take a flight to come home and i'm like what where are you getting to no, no, then you go, like all people do, go to Canada, go to Australia, go to America. And I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I worked my ass off. <laughs> I did party. I had no relationships. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm doing what I, I want to do. But it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It just, we. it was literally like, we're on the highway. If we take the left, we are going to Delhi. If we take the right, we're going to Chandigarh. Mm-hmm. You need to choose where to go. Uh-huh. I was crying in the back seat, and my dad took the turn to Chandigarh. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, that's when we, I got to a university that does transfer program to Canada. Mm-hmm. But still, I was in India. She kind of had her way mm-hmm. of like showing me the dream to go out, mm-hmm. but still be around her, like two to three hours away from her. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good experience and then I ended up going afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so this longer answer was to tell you that I did not think <laughs> I'd ever go to a different country to do my bachelor's. 
Okay. Yeah. Knowing that you did not know that you are visiting Canada or for education or otherwise. Yeah. What were some of the culture shock experiences you encountered during your transition? <laughs> I th- there were many, mm-hmm. many, mm-hmm. like many of us. Um, and I think there are few that you can. There's some tangible culture shocks that you can, you know, tell somebody is going through just because they moved to a different country altogether. and there were some intangible that you get this sense of mm-hmm. that you're drifting away from who you know you were mm-hmm. uh and then it's a big hit mm-hmm. until like both the tangibles and intangibles you know they come after you together so what i'm saying is um like many other people like i did feel like you know the language was an issue even though we speak english is taught to us from what like kindergarten uh been asked questions like oh your english is so good oh, tell me about it <laughs> tell me yeah, about like, it like how do you speak such a good english and i'm like cuz we taught english there like it's like what like third fourth whatever language but it's like mandatory for us to um but even though it was um it was hard for people to really understand and i think a lot of it also came from like my me not having a lot of confidence in myself and this is something that i'm trying to battle to and i think it's one of that residue <coughs> of a culture shock that i can talk about mm-hmm. is that and that's the intangible piece there's a part of you that you start losing on mm-hmm. because um once you move to a place that's not yours uh, a place around which you've made your identity you know more there right and you're by yourself um like challenges you in every single way possible to be like let me test you if you truly are what you think you are mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and i think we get through it in all phases of life if i was in india i would have gotten through that too but that was one few few challenges language was an issue the perception of success is very different i was still starting on but like you know the ethic of like always working hard and like there's no other way than working hard right mm-hmm. always working always working hustle through it mm-hmm. and if you're not hustling you're not going to be successful yeah um you know you you still have to my mother used to say it she's like you know what if you have to be and i keep that in my mind what she used to say is that it's like bhakti bhakti as in for people who don't speak hindi bhakti means like devotion devotion mm-hmm. that's the right word devotion so it comes with a lot of what she meant to say was it was a lot of discipline mm-hmm. uh you have to follow to be successful which is very true but mm-hmm. the way the discipline around us was like if to 24/7 be devoted to what you're doing mm-hmm. there was no social life mm-hmm. i thought i was emotionally intelligent but hell no <laughs> that's why i never thought that i always believed i was emotionally so dumb <laughs> and and i came to realize i was right after i moved to canada i was so so dumb emotionally <laughs> i wouldn't say manisha i've met you you're a very intelligent human i wouldn't say you're dumb but sometimes we both like people like us um we are raised on iq not eq yeah like yeah. there's so much appreciation for like the tangible societal success mm mm-hmm. over like hey are you taking care of yourself i'm so proud that you drank two glasses of water today <laughs> <laughs> nobody said that to me uh, but you see that here people look kind of look at you like why are you working over a weekend like why have you not planned your weekend 
why aren't you going out? I was like, okay. Like, um, I don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think that's that's some of the culture shocks. And um, it, it made me rethink. Mm -hmm. It was really hard mm -hmm. to navigate them. Very, very hard. Uh, it broke, shattered so many pieces of me that I held so close to myself that I'm a hardworking person. I'm a person who's always available. I'm the person who's devoted. I'm the person who can trust. I'm the person you can, you know, um, build ideas, make change, impact and everything, right? But the way I was getting to it was in which I wasn't sustainable because I wasn't thinking about myself. I forgot that if I'm not taking care about myself, I won't be able to deliver on them, right? There'll come a point where you, it'll be you'll like a dead out, end, right? Yeah. You'll be gone. And it clearly that happened because I was not, I was no more with my parents. I thought like, oh my God, I'm such a rebel. I'm making changes. I'm like blowing waves back home. Idiot. Like, <laughs> Acknowledge that. <laughs> you had your parents, you had your friends, you were you were in a place that was known to you, right? And the moment me with my thoughts, my idea of life was taken from that net safety net to a place that was an open field, I was like, where am I? And I was failing. I was failing tremendously. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was my culture shock. <laughs> yeah, I did fail a lot. <laughs> you have mentioned failing, so I'm going to use this opportunity to ask you the right question. Yeah. So share with us the story of failing a class in your first semester. <laughs> I mean, lady, come on. You moved for education. Why would you fail? All this talk about dedication and devotion and hard work. And she fails her first semester. Apparently, when you, I mean, I know now that you go to university, you can check that who, what course are you going to study, in which university. It gives you feedback, right? So... I read the word philosophy and I was like, damn right, I am taking a philosophy course. <laughs> I am going to be the, what, the Descartes? I don't know what's the name of the guy. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But I was like, I am going to sit in this class and I'm going to learn so much. Sometimes, like, validate my philosophical ideas and <laughs> everything like that. So excited. Went to the class, first day into it, blew my mind. I didn't even know what she was talking about. It was like she's talking in French to me. <laughs> I have no idea. Why are we using maths in philosophy? <laughs> what is happening with me? Let me try the Desi version of study. Mm -hmm. What is that? All-nighter. All-nighter. I was like, I pulled an all-nighter. I used to live in the residence. So I went to the library and I was studying there from what? Started studying somewhere around 9 in the morning, mm -hmm. and it was around 3 or 4 a.m., mm -hmm. and I was like, around 5, I decided I'm going to go to the rest. I was smelling bad. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go to the rest. I'm going to shower, change, you know, grab a bite, and then I'm all set. Everything is in my mind. I'm a philosopher. I can write a paper right now. I'll just vomit everything out at 8 a.m. in the morning. And I went in, I took a shower, and next thing I know, it's 2 p.m. 
and you missed your exam like did you not fail by giving it and then you failed no did you actually miss it yeah i slept through it my exam- talk about burnout ladies <laughs> but it was a good learning experience i mean it was a very expensive learning experience oh make mistakes they say <laughs> everything is expensive in canada this is a very expensive mistake most of the people that i've met that are from where i am they they would say that you know um it's in us we don't say no to anything oh tell me about it right we don't say no to anything we feel like yeah we'll do everything and it's a good thing you know you would see and i was reading about it the people of color are actually the most ambitious women yeah yeah and the more most hard working women you'd ever meet so it does come from experiences like that it has a down, it has one of its downfalls too right you just need to learn how to manage it that's why i see a lot of us having extra passions on the side because oh. we we are like so we're always trying to multitask we're always trying to be everywhere um so it's really hard for us to stay on one thing if mm-hmm. we're doing it um but i think it comes with its own benefit so that was my number one that i really learned number two was time management you need to be nothing in canada works on brown time oh oh <laughs> oh so uh, somewhere i read if you're not in time so when when i say in time which means if you have an appointment by 10 you have to be there by 9:58 that's what in time is i'm not talking about on time mm-hmm. so if you're not in time you're late Yeah, so that's some of the culture shocks, fun stuff of adjusting in Canada. Now that we have spoken about cultural experiences, I realize that you went through um healthcare uh, revolution within yourself mm-hmm. and what kind of challenges did you face with your health? Yeah. Um so I talk about it all the time. um and the reason i talk about it is because it took such a long time for me to actually know that it's a problem mm-hmm. with my health and it's not in my mind so <clears throat> so i am a patient of endometriosis mm-hmm. um it's a whole body condition uh it's a tissue similar um to uh your uterus lining mm-hmm. that starts growing somewhere else in your body so it can literally grow anywhere else uh people have had it uh, it was previously only the research is so less they thought that it was only outside the uterus literally mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. um but it's everywhere it could be found even in your lungs mm-hmm. uh knees back like it, that tissue can grow anywhere so essentially uh what happens is that the growth of the tissue stimulates the same kind of symptoms um not same kind of symptoms but it it simulates symptoms that lead to things like extremely painful periods mm-hmm. in in a way that you cannot do anything else you you can't function mm-hmm. i used to always be in hospitals mhm or fainted on floors mhm when my mother is coming to my school to pick me up mhm even though like me taking the courage of like it's okay if i got mm-hmm. my periods last night i'm going to drag myself to school because mm-hmm. hey i am not a baby mm-hmm. because i mean you are 
Oh, oh my. You know and yeah. Yeah, it works. Yeah. You always gaslit in some way to be told like you're stupid for feeling what you feel. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, so true. Um, what are you a baby? You are supposed to uh, endure it. Not tell anybody about that. You're dying inside because of the pain. Um, and you know you're not really going through the pain it's just in your head oh that is so common that is so so common and you're not allowed to cry and crying oh. is a weakness vulnerability is a weakness mm. when you have the audacity to feel happiness anger how is crying a weakness mm. and especially with a medical cause mm. you are going through pain not mm. just not just in your body you're going through mental pain mm-hmm yeah and that kind of challenges you breaks you down but the understanding of women's health is so less or it's so stereotyped and it's so unwelcome and it's such a taboo mm. people don't really encourage speaking about it women don't oh yeah true women don't. yeah and it's like they are it's a consequence of patriarchy it's a consequence of how they're gatekeeping the mm. same cultural uh narratives and patterns because somewhere down the lane they were traumatized to just be a part of it mm-hmm. um or some and it's it would never be the man like you would never hear it from a man telling it to you that hey what the hell are you doing mm-hmm. it'll always be a woman telling you what the hell are you doing yeah right and it's so sad i mean i'm so so happy to see that now in the generation that we are in generations before they've started to fight yeah. they started to build that community they started to love each other they started to not compete in, with each other specifically as women yeah. like we're told in some way to like keep on bashing on each other keep on like slut shaming keep on we do it to us our own it's because of how the systems around us have always made us to keep on doing that but now we're trying to be like why the hell am i even picking up on you mm. Yeah. Right? Why can't I why can't I just be inspired by who you are or support the cause that you are doing? Yeah. yeah. Support you or whatever choice you're making in your life. Why can't I let you just be? How does it affect me, man? It doesn't affect me at all. And that's the very concept that you see when you are creating these taboos specifically in women's health. they're all based on how society wants you to be or you know if you go back to before christ time if you wanted to be columbus and go around the world the wrong direction and say landing in caribbeans you are in india and keep on telling them you're indian you're celebrated in america right for yeah. doing that but if you were a woman if you did that she is a witch burn her <laughs> Oh, yeah, you were right. <laughs> right? And this is me taking it from a Netflix show that I just watched. I'm so sorry. I don't even remember the name of it, but he's a is a very popular comedian. The point here is that there's so many constraints around how being a specific gender, mhm, identifying with a specific gender or not identifying to a gender is is stereotype to be like hey you are somewhere less than mm. right yeah. and it plays into so many things and that's exactly what happened with my journey in endo i um 
So I was talking about what it is. I mean, it takes seven to 12 years to diagnose endometriosis. And a lot of the prolonged time period comes from the fact there's not much research mm -hmm. done into it. And the research, I was so surprised to you know when I started to read about it. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until one of my friends actually, who saw me suffering here in Canada uh, with the pain and couldn't believe that somebody could go through this much pain. Mm -hmm. was like, you're gonna die. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know how to support you. Um, and I remember him Googling, them Googling everything and be like putting all the symptoms and something showed up and it was like article on a PhD article, somebody was presenting a thesis on endometriosis. And Manisha, it was like, I wanted to cry. Like it was a, a relief, a weird relief I had, but it was hurtful. Mm -hmm. It was like I, for the longest time, I I wasn't lying. Like I was telling my, I was gaslighting myself. I was like, I'm stupid. What is wrong with me? Like why I'm the only kid in the classroom, passed out on my desk, drenched in my own sweat with pain because I'm getting my periods. Why are other people not going through it, right? Like other people used to tell me, yeah, we're also going through period pain and like it's hurting, but they still were like around, they were still studying or like, Maybe they were good at pretending. I don't know. I wouldn't... Maybe they were not good at pretending. Maybe they were not going through what I was going through. Yeah. Right? And it all made sense. And I was like, I need mm. to, like, dig more deeper. And then I started reading more and more and more. And you know that singer, Haley? Mm-hmm. Uh, she uh, made a speech on one of... I think it's... Endo Watts um, annual gala, I might be wrong, but there was a gala in which she's an Endo Warrior too, and she tells her story, and I'm like, she's talking me. Mm -hmm. Like, this is me. Mm -hmm. Somebody's telling this, like, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, next thing I do is I book an appointment with a doctor, and I tell the symptoms and everything, and he's like, yeah, I think you need to go through the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason I was so blessed, the reason I got a doctor telling me that it could be that is because his own wife mm -hmm. had endo. Mm -hmm. um, so he could be like, okay, yeah, sure, maybe you need to, mm -hmm. right? But I didn't know until I went back home that there's so much more to endo. Mm -hmm. The reason it takes you seven to 12 years is that they'll keep on misdiagnosing you for PCOS. Yeah. They'll keep on misdiagnosing you for things like... Um, you, there's a term for painful periods. Um, I'm forgetting the term, but like it's a medical condition. They'll diagnose you for that. Mm -hmm. They'll diagnose you for IBS, irritable mm -hmm. bowel syndrome. Um, so there's so many other things that they would diagnose you for. The reason is because it is invasive. The only way for you to really understand right now with the research that they have is to do a laparoscopy and find mm -hmm. that growth. Mm -hmm. And the battle to that is very hard because mm -hmm. your own caregiver mm -hmm. is not giving you the right information. Like they will, I, when I went back home and I told my gynecologist who's been with me for throughout from sixth grade when I got my periods to now when I was in her office talking about endo on my face telling me that I don't have it. Mm 
I'm like, how do you know? And she's like, okay, like, I mean, your symptoms do match, but you don't have it. And I was like, you've not tested me for endo. How can you tell me that? No, you have to trust me. I've been with you for 12 years. I was like, what is this? <laughs> You're not part of my body, are you? <laughs> I was like, that's the point. You've seen me suffering through it for 12 years or more than that. And you're telling me that, Karan, whatever you've been going through for 12 years is in your head. It's not true. You don't have PCOS. You don't have IBS. Like, I do diagnosed you for that. I gave you medicines. But then we figured out you don't have it. Then we thought you have IBS. No, you don't have it. Then we thought you just have painful periods. We were giving you, like, those very heavy medications that was, like, killing your liver. But still, you were ending up in the hospital. Then I was like, okay, maybe she just is acting up because yeah. I was like having those pains even though I was not in periods. But that is what endo flares are called. Like that's one of the things that happens in flares. And I'm like, it was like me educating my doctor. <laughs> and I'm like, you're supposed to give me this information. How do I trust you? And then I went into the community and I'm searching and I'm in a Facebook group. And like there's so many people like us. Mm-hmm who trust their doctors and are told to be like, it's not true. My doctor even told me so many times, you know what, wait for it. Wait to get married. Oh, let me complete the <laughs> sentence for you. Get married, have kids, everything will be fine. Your periods will regularize. Tell me about Pain it. Pain will go away. Oh, will yeah. will like magically disappear. I don't <laughs> understand. When 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 an organ goes inside another organ, how does pain go away? <laughs> if only things were that simple, wouldn't everybody do it all the time? I just don't understand the fact that... And she's a woman. Like She understands what I'm going through. She should be. like She has the same like body structure as I have. So, there's a reason we've put a lot of research in pain medication. Yeah. <laughs> Not in you. Um, and, and I couldn't process the fact that there was similar understanding of women's health here in Canada. Like, it's supposed to be a better place that's open, inclusive. Developed country. Yeah, it's a developed country. Um, but unfortunately, the understanding of women's health is is there. It's still at a very low level. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I was diagnosed, I mean, it was a battle up, mm -hmm. right? Um, after I was diagnosed, I made it my, I, I made it my purpose to be like, everybody needs to know about it. Okay. And through it, everybody needs to know that there needs to be more money put into women's health. We need more investment in understanding women's health. So... How do you educate? How do you? How did you design the program to educate youth and young adults with the passion that you have for uh, healthcare? Um, so we all collaborated. Glow Within came into being. Uh, the name is Glow Within Foundation. So me and my co-founders, we had this vision of making a better future for our younger selves, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how Glow Within came into being. Um, we, uh, it was a university project, as I said, we did some research and understanding where the gaps are at right now, given what the needs are for young adults, youth, um, how their quality of life should be improved. 
focusing on their physical, mental, emotional health, on their well-being. Um, so the way that we do it is um, now we have age specific, of course, the programming, but the programming is around, if I, I usually put it in this way, it's, it's a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. We talk about things like external factors, if like ex- when I say external factors, it's like this community that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that we always, as women, as women identify, we're always fighting, uh, competing with each other for some reason. And there's so much, so much uh, progress that I've seen in the world right now, in which I've seen way less women do, women do that. They're always supporting each other. So many of us that I've seen, right? Um, so that's when we, we bring that knowledge in our programming, in one of our programmings, in which we talk about the importance of community, we talk about these social standards, how they shape the way we think about each other. Um, it also touches on point of like humanity, touches on point of like how you can be better with each other. It talks about points like changing the mindset from being jealous to being inspired. Like, mm-hmm. what's the difference? How do you get there, right? Um, then we go into the physical body, and that's when we talk about things like endometriosis, like trying to understand your body. Uh, for younger uh, kids, we talk about basic concept like what's menstruation, what happens, what's like a healthy uh, menstrual experience, what's a hygienic menstrual experience. So it's basically like a guidebook of if you're getting your periods for the first time, if you've had it, like you really try to understand what's happening in your body at that time. Um, we talk about all that cycles that you go through um, to educate them why are they feeling what they're feeling mm-hmm. during those times. Um, if when we're talking to a little bit of more mature audience, we talk, we touch more deeper into like PCOS, endo, we talk about different vaginal infections that are so common that all of us go through but we not talked about that that idea of disgust and unhygiene and being bad associated with it it's like trying to debunk that and how it's very natural for you to go through it um, and then we go into the emotional health piece of it once we've gone through the um, physical we go to emotional we talk about things like healthy boundaries how to establish good relationships with your family with your friends with your peers um, what does having boundaries look like? What does not having boundaries look like? A little bit of mature audience, we talk about what are your values? What what do you believe in? What do you know now? And then your attachment styles. Uh, one of our advisor actually uh, with, with our team worked in building that programming around um, talking about healthy relationships and the attachment styles. Um, so that's very, people like it. Because it's something telling you about like, why do you behave a certain way in a relationship, yeah. right? It takes away that guilt from I am, I am, you know that labels of like, I'm so anxious all the time, or this person is so clingy, oh, yeah. like taking that labels out of it mm-hmm. and making it more, like, I don't wanna say scientific, it is scientific in some way, but rationalizing it more for them mm-hmm. right um that's the whole point and that's the purpose of glow so you can glow within <laughs> it's amazing to hear that 
there are people who actually put in the effort to educate uh, young adults mm-hmm. on uh, their body and mm-hmm. their and sex education mm-hmm. for that matter mm-hmm. um sex positive conversation is such a taboo mm-hmm. i mean you you cannot have a sex positive conversation like a fun sex positive conversation with your uh, with your for the matter siblings mm. your parents mm. your friends and they give you that look or like i am so glad somebody else is actually doing the work mm-hmm. which in a way i am also passionate about mm-hmm. and i'm happy to see that that is creating impact in young adults mm-hmm. even today in 21st century and gen z is coming up mm-hmm. and there are still some gen zers who are very uncomfortable talking about it mm-hmm. and if they are going through it and then i'm sure they are telling you oh it's that time of the month mm-hmm. and like i am having my periods how difficult is it to say mm-hmm. why are you shaming yourself why are you protecting that you should not use the term why, mm-hmm. why is it mm-hmm. so that is i'm i am so glad you're doing <laughs> work on that and i'm i'm so happy to see that mm-hmm. so inspiring this so inspiring i don't know what else to say i'm so, I'm so I mean, inspired it's a, by it's it it's a bit of drive i mean if we don't if i haven't if i wouldn't have met my co-founders this wouldn't have been into being uh, at least for me being involved in it so I'm so grateful the team that puts in so much effort the advisors the volunteers that just graciously give their time to build it right so it does take a village to do a work like this but it will keep on going uh, for yeah. sure in some way or the other we have spoken about multiple cultures india in itself is a uh, multicultural country mm. uh, and we have spoken about canada and canada is a globally multicultural right and you have your co-founders you have your volunteers you have your advisors how do you prioritize culturally intentional leadership in your nonprofit <clears throat> that's a very good question i think a lot of uh, an I'll take a step back here. Um inclusive leadership takes a lot of courage. Yeah. So, um even though it is a no-brainer, mhm, right? The fact that we've lived in colonial systems for so long, it's hard for us to change the way and adapt to a way of knowing that people are not aware about. To ensure inclusive leadership you have to be a person who is ready to learn mm-hmm. you have to be a person who is empathetic and you have to be a person that has to come from a place of curiosity all the time but it doesn't have to be a curiosity that's like oh i'm so curious to know what what is or how do you speak such good english not that curiosity but you know res- respectful <laughs> jinx <laughs> respectful curiosity yeah respectful like you have to be ready to learn um and as a person of color as a person of color with a lot of privilege um i think i should be it's my responsibility to make sure that there's voice on table mm-hmm. to represent as much as i can not just for myself but any other underrepresented group that i can bring in or equity deserving group that i can bring into the conversations right and we are we are moving towards it it could be through leadership it 
could be changing things in programming. It could be talking to them to where they're at, right? Even if you're looking in terms of leadership, uh, giving people space to tell you where do they feel the most inspired and happy. And without any judgment, what would they love to have or to know like something that would be like, okay, this is a safe space for me. This is what safe space means to me, right? This is what, and once you give them the safe space, you have to give them the brave space too. It's not just saying that you're safe, you can say whatever, but you're not making them empowered enough to say that this freaking matters to me. This is hurtful, right? This is wrong. Saying challenging, creating that environment where anybody can you know, challenge anyone in a respectful way. People are open and curious to curate that. And I'm not saying, I, I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky to be always surrounded by leaders through my work that have been doing so great work. Like they are the ones that are like pioneering inclusion, inclusive leadership. I am learning from them and I take the nuggets of it and try to apply it wherever I go. If I'm in an advisory position, if I'm on a board, if I'm in my non-for-profit, if I'm doing some other work, I try to bring that curiosity and that, that lens of like, I want to know. Yeah. Be inclusive, but don't try to fit in. Belong with yourself and yeah. belong with others. Try and belong, not fit in. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast show. Newcomers to Trailblazers. Thank you for sharing your incredible journey and the important work that you're doing through your nonprofit organization. It is very inspiring to hear everybody's story. And this is close to my heart. The work that you're doing is very close to what I believe in. And people know, people who know me already know that I believe in the work that you're doing. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed yet, we encourage you to do so. We release bi-weekly and can be found on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Don't forget to follow us on Insta, LinkedIn, and TikTok for more exciting updates. Take care and ciao. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>